up? Get going. Happy uh, Tuesday here. It is me, your managing editor of the we- Wrestling Week, Nick Hausman, back with another episode of the Weekly. Man, that was a, like a, a kind of weakish, forced good morning. I have to, again, call out. It's been I, I've been doing more wrestling stuff with my voice. I was up until about 2.30 in the morning on a Monday, I guess, into a Tuesday, uh, doing uh, announcing. I wouldn't call it ring announcing because there was no ring. It was a no-ring deathmatch bar show. So it was <laughs> like... <laughs> What is this? What is this thing? Is this like underground UFC stuff? Dude, it was crazy, man. It was called Marcus Crane's Wasted Land. It was by No Peace. It was promoted by No Peace Underground here at Exit in Chicago. I mean, there was about a hundred or so people. It was not a it's not a very big space. It's like upper bar at exit. Uh two bands, a freak show. Uh uh there was three death matches, three no ring, just bar fights. Uh my buddy Dysfunction was there, Marcus was there. Uh, it was, uh, it was, it was fun. I had a great time. It just went too damn long. It went till two 30 in the morning. I really thought this thing was going to be done by midnight yet. Here I am. I do that. I come home. I fall asleep. I wake up. I watch raw. And now we're doing this podcast. My brain, my body. What is this? What life is this? What is <laughs> these, life? These, these, these death matches are kind of the culmination of WWE's efforts over the years with the hardcore matches. Uh, and now 24 seven title. I mean, could we expect to see, you know, our truth or Mayor Clint Glenn Jacobs show up here with the championship at one of these uh, no ring death matches. There was this this woman uh, as part of the freak show. She had a I'll call it a rubber phallus attached to her <laughs> attached to her torso that members of the audience were throwing ring tosses onto. That was around twelve thirty in the morning. That's what my life is right now, Michael. I think they're just went our TV fourteen rating. Our, our podcast rated. How are they rated? We're what? I think TV you can. I think you can say rubber phallus. I think that's fine. I think I cleaned it up. That's how you would say it in uh, in talking to children at the. Yeah, but the visual image of tossing rings onto rubber phallus, and you're kind of painting a picture here. It kind of becomes, I don't know, some version of weird podcasting pornography. Is that a thing? Okay, all right, we're done with this. We're moving on. As soon as you said podcasting pornography, I was done. All right. Well, there's. That's why I sound a little dead, and why that opening was a little rough as I was up doing that until the wee hours of the morning. Never ever. I love Marcus. It was his 30th birthday party. I wouldn't have done it uh, unless it was that. I am never, ever doing a late night Monday night wrestling show again, ever. What a garbage way. To start. Not a, I mean, it was fun, but I feel like garbage today was an awful way to start my week. All right, anyway, all right, here we go. Let's do this. <laughs> sounds like fun. Uh, no, it sounds like fun. I had a great time. Happy birthday, Marcus. All right, let's get to it here. We got a big weekly planned for you today. Uh, we got a lot of, we got a lot of news to get to here. It's been five days worth of news. Holy God. I'm looking at this run sheet here. We got a lot of news to get to here today, but after that, we also have some audio for you here. Two big pieces of audio. Uh, we're going to talk a bit here about big Cass later in the show. There was an incident with big Cass at Russell pro, which we'll talk to in a bit. Um, but we also our own Raj Geary, executive editor, owner, boss up top, very rarely runs interviews on the show. But he got an interview with the one and only Big Cass. It was uh, recorded last Thursday. It was two days before the WrestlePro incident, which we will get into here. So this interview, Raj, did happen just before what happened with Cass. So save your comments, Michael. I know you've got opinions. I've got opinions. We'll get to all that here in just a little bit. After the Big Cass interview with Raj, we're also going to drop into your ear holes today the full audio from Triple H's NXT to USA media call. That happened yesterday. It's about 45 minutes of Triple H talking all things NXT, NXT UK, the WWE draft, takeovers, World Collide, and, of course, the move to USA. So a lot to get to here today. Big cast, Triple H, and, of course, 
Michael Weissman. Michael, are you ready to talk the news? I am ready to rock and roll. Oh, man, I'm ready Let's to rock. It. I don't know the rock and roll. That's a lot. That's going to make my tummy <laughs> queasy today. All right, here we go. News you can use, news that will leave a bruise. Uh, we'll start off here. Let's talk about the WWE Clash that happened on Sunday night. Uh, let's talk about the news coming out of it. First of all, uh, we have new Raw Tag Team Champions, Root and Ziggler. They defeated Braun and Seth. Braun and Seth uh, would then go on to face off in the main event where Seth would defeat Braun Strowman. Braun did this epic leap off the top rope onto Seth. <laughs> Jesus, I've never seen a bus fly, but I saw one uh, fly on Sunday night. Uh, right after the bout, uh, Seth is making his way to the top of the ramp. They throw up the little copyright 2019 WWE logo, and then boom, lights out. Up comes the Fiend. He attacks Seth to close the show. Michael, you were at Clash the Champions. Uh, what would you think of this? And, uh, yeah, what would you think of this? How this come across live when the Fiend attacks Seth? It, everything came across really well there for the live audience, actually. You know, the um, the big spot you mentioned, Braun jumping off the top rope, was, listen, guys, go see wrestling live when you get the chance because stuff like that looks cool on TV. It is impressive as Man. hell in real life. Dude, and crazy. I, I can't say just this massive, you said a bus, but this massive amount of humanity just squashing Seth Rollins. It looked like he hit his knee for a minute, so I was worried. But, yeah, all this came across very well. The crowd at Charlotte Coliseum, now known as the Spectrum Center, is was firmly behind Braun all night. I don't know, you know, I heard TV reactions to this were not that great. People were accusing the crowd of being dead. Yeah. Dude, that crowd was lit all night long. It, it's a very strange crowd. I said this on Twitter. It's a crowd that still has that Ric Flair country kind of built into them. So they kind of treat this. They don't, they're never out to put themselves over. There weren't very many, this is awesome chance or none of the CM Punk, whatever, whatever. But they were into almost every match of the night, but they were firmly behind Braun. Braun's from about an hour um, away from Charlotte. And so Braun was definitely the hero of the night. So there were actually Seth got some booze. Um, even when he got the win, you know, the way he finished Braun off got him, you know, he got him the right level of attention from the audience. But fans stay. I think fans knew something was going to happen. I saw a few people start leaving, but everybody else was watching Seth celebrate. And you can't really see the TV production from where you were because it's not on the big screen on the ramp or whatever. So I think fans were just glued in to Seth celebrating. And as soon as the lights went out, th the crowd just went crazy. I mean, there was a it, super loud pop for the fiend here. It was great in real life. So I, yeah, here's, I loved it. I was so happy. They, they did it to end the show. It's what everybody wanted. They didn't wait till Monday night, which they sometimes they'll do in the past. They'll say, Oh, well, why didn't they do it to close the show? Well, they'll wait, save till Monday. They didn't wait till Monday. They had the fiend attack Seth. I'm going to talk a little bit about raw here, uh, as well as we're talking about Seth and Bray. My only complaint about this, and it's a pretty big complaint is Seth Rollins, uh, when he came out to start Monday Night Raw, was like all smiles. Like he was like, oh, ha, ha, I, got, I got bested by The Fiend. Oh, wasn't that crazy, guys? Like the reason Sean, I was, I'm watching this and I was like thinking back to Shawn Michaels, uh, Mick Foley or Mankind, the Mind Games pay-per-view and that feud, the, the lead up to that, how, how frazzled Shawn was, how disturbed he was by having to deal with this Mankind get character, a different kind of villain for him. I was just so I was so let down by the way Seth reacted to to the attack from the fiend. Didn't really seem to. I mean, it felt it felt disconnected to me. I don't know if that was just for me or not. Yeah, it was strange. Seth has kind of had this habit over the years of being when he's a good guy, he's out there smiling. It's actually the thing I think that does him a disservice. And why while he is super over, I like him better as a heel because he's a good guy, Seth. He doesn't take things as seriously. And I'll tell you what that I don't know how it came across on TV, but that moment Sunday night it felt like a horror movie moment, right? Yeah, yes. The Fiend shows up, yes. the lights are down. It's scary. It, it Even like I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to stay up all night, right? But it does have that little, little bit of visceral fear in your gut, 
and Seth's reaction to your point didn't convey that. No, it did not. It did not. He was not disturbed. He was not distraught. He was just like, oh, wow, that crazy fiend. He got in my way. So I wasn't uh, I wasn't thrilled with uh, the way it started. I will say by the end of the night, you know, we had Kane come back here. He's Glenn Jacobs. Part of the show is he was doing all the our truth 24-7 title shenanigans, winning, losing the title there, befriending Glenn Jacobs. Well, anyway, Kane comes out at the end of the show uh, to save Rollins as he's getting beaten down by the OC and, and Ziggler and, and Rude. And uh, and uh, after uh, he's he's laid waste to everybody, the Fiend comes out, attacks Kane, and then, like, creepily hovers over Seth Rollins. And, like, I hope that next week we see a distraught Seth Rollins because sure. this is – this. This was done very well again. It's not. I have no issue with Bray and the Fiend. Everything I thought Bray and the Fiend did. It's just Rollins has to be affected by this guy. If he's not, that this is going to feel really uh, like a really weird feud to me. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think Rollins is the right guy to go up against the Fiend. They booked Rollins so strong. The Fiend looks invincible, right? So these two going at each other makes a lot of sense. But the weakness here for Rollins has got to be fear. That's the way the Fiend gets over uh, Rollins, a guy who has defeated Braun Strowman with about a bazillion curb stomps and a pedigree. Rollins, a guy who defeated Brock Lesnar twice in the two biggest shows of the year, right? He's pretty built up at this point. And I think the Fiend's fear has got to be what breaks him down. I, I, I hate agree. to see... Braun lose on Sunday. I go back to this one point here, which is you've had five or six chances in the last two years to crown Braun Man. as a future star. True. And Sunday night in front of the Charlotte crowd, which was firmly behind him near his hometown. It was a, it would have been a great moment, but I understand too. It seems like they wanted to do Rollins versus the fiend. And I think that probably is a, a little bit of a better feud there because you have a guy who can work. Guy's face of your company against the guy who doesn't even have a face. Were you the one that pointed out to me Braun is 0-7 in Universal title defenses, or was that somebody else? I, I don't I mean I've said that before, but online on Twitter, somebody else was tweeting about it this weekend too. So somebody hit yeah. somebody hit me up on the Slack channel. The re- very, yeah, not me. very important <laughs> wrestling league Slack channel. But uh yeah, uh no. Braun 0-7 in Universal title matches. You know, and that's just the thing, is like I could just see Vincent Creator being like, well, he's huge. He's always gonna be a threat. He needs the title. <laughs> He used uh, to warm up, guys. But, yeah, you got to pay it off soon here. you got to put some some momentum on Braun. Anyway, uh, Seth and uh, Bray will face off. It is official now inside Hell in a Cell. This is this should be a crowning moment here for The Fiend and Bray Wyatt. I can't see Rollins winning this one. This just would be awful if Rollins How do you feel it. about the naysayers? A lot of nay people are saying it's too soon for The Fiend. What do you think? I, 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 think, that, I think this is one of the few times – that uh, I, well, first of all, I disagree with the naysayers out there. I mean, I was I said that Bray should debut attacking Kofi. Should have gone for that title. I liked. I think the Bray Kofi dynamic would would have been more engaging. I, I mean, I get uh, obviously they have different plans for Kofi. You know, we can speculate about what those are here in just a second. But you know, they're gonna they're gonna put him in the other title picture with Rollins. And good, yeah, this guy is lightning out a bottle right now. He's hot. Put him on top. Have some people have some baby faces chase the fiend here and have the fiend run run roughshod. I think it's amazing. I think it's the best possible call you could have for this guy right now. I 100% agree. You know, at first it seems like you can't rush this, right? He's he's on top of the world already. He's Where else can he go? He's invincible. Right? Yeah, he's the most overthinking WWE. Put the belt on him. Yeah. Right. There are very few chances you get to debut. I mean, he's yes, he's wrestled Finn Balor, but there's very few chances you get to debut somebody, uh, this persona on top of the card, and him have this much momentum behind him already. And so – Capture that lightning. You know, it's a very different kind of build. I get that. And the Fiend could be a very different kind of champion. But that's not a bad thing, right? Yeah, agreed. Uh, well, the other uh, title match here, like I brought up Kofi Kingston just now, 
Uh, he did retain. He defeated Randy Orton. Uh, big win here for Kofi Kingston. I just wanted to make note of it because, you know, this would have been, you know, if they were going to take the title off him, Randy Orton's been a, a white-hot heel recently. Uh, this would have this would not have shocked me if Orton had walked out with the title, but they kept it on Kofi. This is the win he needed. I think it was a definitive win that will define uh, his his title run here. Is I mean, it's a historic. It's 167 days now. How long will this guy keep this thing? Uh, I don't know if you go back to well with Orton here at Hell in a Cell, or is it time to move on to something else? Uh, you, you do it at Hell in a Cell because it's just around the corner. Uh, somebody threw out there do a three-on-three match, the New Day versus Orton and the Revival. Okay. That could be a lot of fun inside a cell. That's a different way to twist it, but... Kofi's got to keep this to move on. And it was a crowning moment for him. Kofi's run has been amazing. For all the complaints we have with the baby, they have done right by Kofi at every given juncture. And putting the demons of Randy Orton to bed on Sunday made for a great storytelling moment. And a, and a good match, too. Yeah, I agree. And, and Kofi's really held his own here as the WWE champion. I know some people have said, oh, he's not gripping or whatever. Look, yeah, he had a good feud with, with Daniel Bryan. He's had a good feud with here with Randy Orton. Uh, now, Hell in a Cell is after the move to Fox, right? It's going to not be until, like, mid-October or something like that, correct? No, Hell in a Cell, I think, is the weekend. It's three weeks from now. It is the weekend they move to Fox. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's the thing. is like, Kofi Orton maybe could be a layup. But, I mean, if you're going to take that title off Kofi on the debut episode, which is still something a lot of people have buzzed about, you know, Brock coming back, taking the belt off him, you could get that rematch at Hell in a Cell as well, you know? Well, so I think what you do, right? You move to you move to SmackDown Friday, uh, October third. Hell in a Cell is October sixth. So I guess it's October fourth. Oh, what third, fourth, fifth? Anyway, Kofi keeps the title, but the next Friday during the draft, he Brock Lesnar comes over. Whatever, yeah, you know, something like that. Now we could go that route. The Brock Lesnar route has definitely been buzzed about, but uh, the Revival beat Big E and Xavier Woods to take the SmackDown tag titles. Um, and that, uh, I don't know. I mean, in the back of my head, I can't help but think, you know, if they're not going to go the Brock route and if they're done with Orton, I mean, uh, a jaded, uh, Big E and Xavier Woods, they don't have titles. Their buddy Kofi does have a title. Is this the time? I mean, I, I would be way, I, I would be ready for it. I would be into it. If this is, if tonight was the night we finally got a heel turn for Big E and Xavier Woods turning on their friend Kofi Kingston, I'm far more engaged uh, on that pivot to move in that direction than the other stuff we've talked about. Yeah, I, that is, it gives, it also gives Big E a huge platform to move into singles competition. You know, is, um, is Eric Bischoff actually in charge? Because that could dictate it. Maybe we see Kofi Kingston come out and then Xavier Woods and Big E show up on bikes and with yeah. biker gear on. Who knows? Glad, I'm glad you said the motorcycle thing because you're right. Big E, Xavier Woods, they become a motorcycle gang. <laughs> they attack Kofi Kingston. Uh, they hire the DOA. It's wonderful. Right. Um, all right. Well, there you go. So there's a couple just, Punditine speculated of ideas. I, I, I'd be for it if they went that route you know, tonight, but who knows. Uh, Luke Harper came back at Clash. Uh, he returned to help Eric Rowe and defeat Roman Reigns. A PW Insider reporting Harper's name was not listed on the format sheet, and he was kept hidden backstage until just before Roman versus Eric Rowan in the no-DQ match. No one saw Harper backstage until it was time for him to come out and help Rowan win the match. The Observer reporting that Harper's return was a late decision as he received the call to be at the Clash on Friday night. Harper and Rowan are set to team up to face Reigns and Daniel Bryan, likely at Hell in a Cell. Harper, uh, WWE brought Harper back because Rowan needed a tag team partner for this feud. Uh, there's no word yet on if WWE still has plans for the original outcome of the story, which was supposed to be Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan, but no. We have moved to the far more compelling storyline of the Bludgeon Brothers versus Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. Uh, <laughs> you were there live. Uh, how did the crowd take to uh, Harper's uh, return there? 
You know, this was a weird match. I think Rowan maybe got the short end of the stick here because they were brawling around everywhere and fans liked that. But when you can't see something in the uh, arena, it kind of takes some of the momentum out of it. But for the moment that Luke Harper popped up out of nowhere and really to us where I was sitting, you just didn't see that coming. He got a loud pop. He got a loud reaction. Luke Harper was well received. He looks great. And so I think to me, it was surprising. I figured a lot of fans would be like, who is this dude attacking him? But immediately when he showed up and the Bludgeon Brothers reunited, um, very good reaction. They're not, not a positive reaction, but a loud kind of gasp and you know, some heat on those two uh, to end the night for I mean, that it's, match. It's just such a weird dynamic. Like People really are excited for Harper. They like Harper. They know he's been dealing with backstage issues. He's been trying to get his push here. I think, I mean, look, it, it, Rowan is, uh, you know, he's an anti-character right now, anti-authority, anti-everything. I think him and Harper might run, I don't, I don't, it's just such a weird dynamic. Reigns, Brian's recently been a bad guy. I mean, I don't know that the fans are going to know what to think of this feud. I don't know what to think of this feud. Rowan has benefited a lot, I think, putting uh, Luke Harper out there alongside him. He's going to finally get another big push, which when they debuted as the Bludgeon Brothers a while back, they didn't really do much with them, right? So I'm excited about that. Daniel Bryan, the odd card here, if he does team up with Roman Reigns, either that cements him as a babyface, or does he turn on Reigns during that match and he's, again, allied with the Bludgeon Brothers as what the what brought Wyatt Family 2.0 here? Uh, but either way, I think it's good. Daniel Bryan... If he's a good guy now, you know, he was a bad guy a while back. At least it feels somewhat organic, right? His tag team partner turned on him. There's a little bit of breathing room in there for him to kind of change his mind about things. But yeah, it's it's strange. And unless the point here at the end of the day is to give Roman Reigns a big win over a guy who tried to kill him um, or really put Eric Rowan out there, a guy who got a win against Roman Reigns on a pay-per-view on Sunday, um, I don't know kind of where you go with all this after Hell in a Cell. Man. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, strap in. Let's go for a ride. I guess that's where <laughs> we're at here with this one. Uh, well, Bailey now definitively a heel. She's been a heel here for a little bit. But the way she cheated to beat Charlotte at, at uh, Clash, I loved it. Grabbing the title to leave. Very cool. Thought it was very well done. I wanted to make a note of that. Um, also, Becky uh, lost to Sasha by DQ. Uh, she accidentally hit the referee with a the chair. Then she went nutso with the chair. She's been fined 10K for accidentally attacking that ref with the chair. Uh, and uh, her and Sasha will now move to Hell in a Cell to continue their feud. A lot of heat here. I, I, don't, I don't like, I don't hate it. I, I, I you know, the beat goes on. The, the four horsewomen, I, I'm glad that there's so much going on with them right now that we're not getting definitive endings to it. I, I'm, I'm interested to see where these four women go moving forward. I've been enjoying both storylines for the women's titles. Yep, and Becky, you mentioned Bailey running out. That was such a fun moment to watch, and I think it's exactly what she needed here, right? Was that kind of surprise, and I know we're a victory. Uh, the Becky-Sasha match got really well-received. It came across really well in the arena. You know, we didn't realize that it had actually been called a DQ, I guess, on the on the call. Michael Cole said it Sunday night, but we didn't realize it until they came back down and the other referees showed up. So I thought it played well, though, and I enjoyed it, and these two uh, feuds will obviously continue. Yeah, and lastly, I wanted to make note coming out of the clash, AJ Styles took on Cedric on the kickoff show. Mm. AJ Styles on the kickoff show. Mm. The face that runs the place at 6:30 p.m. Eastern time, I guess. Hey, you gotta get the, you gotta get people, gotta get people going, gotta get those network subscriptions in. I can't miss this show if they're putting AJ on the kickoff show. Must be some good stuff planned here. All right, well that's everything coming out of Clash of Champions. I'll go over a couple more notes coming out of Monday Night Raw. Uh, we know that Becky's gonna face Sasha and Hell in a Cell. Baron Corbin defeated Chad Gable. We now have King Baron Corbin. I called it. 
I mean, even before I saw the brackets, even before I saw the competitors, so this is a way to make a king out of Baron Corbin. What'd you think? Ah, that was a great match. Wasn't it a great match? It was a really good match. But these guys it was really, really good, good wrestlers. Match. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, of course, a heel chant, a heel king of the ring is always more fun than a, a good guy because he goes around flaunting his stuff and wearing the crown and acting all elitist. So I think Baron Corbin is the perfect guy to do this with. Um, but, I'm, you know, I'm glad to see Chad Gable look so good and be given so much time on Raw as well because the fans were behind him. And I think you would be leaving money on the table if you're WWE and you don't do something important to follow up this, this you know, dream run that he's had. He didn't need to win last night. And that's OK. He came close. Give him something else to come close again and then give him a big win, you know, by the end of the year at some point. So, my, but Corbin's going to be great. Everything was great here. I thought it was great. My only complaint was he, like, walks up to the throne and he, like, poses in front of it and they cut to commercial. And it's like, yeah. you can't give the guy a coronation? Come on. This has been one of the best King of the Ring tournaments in years. Can't even put the crown on the guy? I was a little let down by that. Got to get them Skittles ads in, dude. Come on. Make that money. King Skittles. All right, anyway. Uh, last thing coming out of Raw, Rusev's back. He's returned to action. He has a mustache. He looks jacked. He looks in very, very good shape. Um, and apparently he's the father of Maria's baby. <laughs> Wait, what? Is that? This is the strangest segment in the world to me, this whole thing. Now, guess that The Maria, <sighs> Mike Canellas thing, it is what it is. They're doing their thing with it. They involved Ricochet, which was odd but funny. Ricochet's such a good guy. Uh, Rusev coming out was so weird because it seemed like he was admitting he was – the father, but then by the end of the segment, the announced team was basically saying, nah, this was just obviously just to Rusev coming back and he's just wanting, wanting to look good before the draft in a few weeks. So just a strange way to bring Rusev back. I hated this so much, Michael. I felt insulted. I was like, what is going on? What is happening? I hate this. I don't get it. Even like Michael Cole having to point out like, well, Lana's not here with Rusev. I wonder how she feels. <laughs> About her husband cheating on her with Maria and fostering a child outside of their marriage. And Mike Canellas, God, the guy is like, you know what? With Ricochet, like afterwards, he's like, all right, I accept it. I'm not the father, right? And then like the announce team is making fun of him for being like not wanting to fight somebody else. Come on. I hated this so much. It made it made it smacked of sense. Smacked. Rusev looked good though, huh? <laughs> Rusev huh? looked really good. Back in time for the draft. God, I hated this. All right. Um, speaking of the draft, WWE has announced a draft for October 11th. Uh, that'll be the SmackDown. Uh, and then October 14th, the Raw. Those will be our draft dates here. Uh, they've announced that superstars will be appearing on Raw and SmackDown along with personalities from Fox and NBC Universal Programming who will announce the picks. <laughs> Al Roker here. <laughs> With today's weather, and by the way, Rusev going to Raw. Oh, man. I mean, this is where we get the return of Colin Jost. SNL is coming back soon. Oh, that would be perfect. That would be good. I could dig that. Michael, They're going to get the new guy from SNL because he just got fired. But you know, I Honestly, I mean, Fox, could we're going to get Gordon Ramsay? Is he going to announce one? He's got like eight cooking shows on Fox. Honestly, what's even on Fox these days? Is Simon Cowell still on one of these two networks? Yeah, he was. Is he? Well, yeah. I know he's like a producer for... I know he's still attached to American Idol, but I think America's got, well, America's got talent in NBC product. Maybe he appears on both. Maybe Simon Cowell does double duty. Uh, well, you know, it, I, I get why they're doing this. The week before the October 4th episode, the debut on, on Fox, they're going to have all the big 
names coming back. And if you've seen the advertisements, it's advertising, not really, but it's showing all the classic legends. And so I get they're doing that. And then the next week they're going to have all these personalities on Fox doing the draft. But at some point you've got to get back to business and do your wrestling show. Right. And so I, you're going to get the, get that spike in the ratings. But my question is what happens October 18th, right? October 24th. Yeah. So. Well, uh, we do know that NXT, it sounds like, so Triple H did the media call. We're going to play the full audio for you here. It was just yesterday. He did it on the call. One of the things he noted was NXT. It doesn't sound like he's going to be involved in the draft. He said, this looks to be more about solidifying the raw and SmackDown rosters nxt kind of has their roster that uh, you know everybody likes that roster but we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get real clear here who's on raw and who's on smackdown that's what we're gonna find out so uh but he did seem like he said there was some level of flexibility in that statement wasn't there it almost well, seemed like yeah. just a smidge of <laughs> it's like if vince shows up on monday or friday night and he's like give me nxt well then we're going that route you know uh you, you could go there so many different ways with that right there's been the big conversation coming out of the weekend about drew mcintyre putting over nxt and talking about how um it is not uh, a, a call-up brand you're not getting moved up nxt is its own thing and he kind of put that over in a big way so mcintyre and nxt again that could be awesome could be great right? yeah Kevin Owens back in NXT, that could be fun. So I'd love that kind of move. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to move somebody up, but yeah, but let's put some Ross SmackDown guys on NXT. Cesaro, what's he doing? I would 100% put Finn Balor on NXT. I mean, yes. he was he was arguably the greatest NXT champion of all time. If everything is equal now, there are so many good matches Finn Balor, and he would be completely revitalized in NXT. I, I want him and I want Shinsuke back in NXT so bad. If this is where we're at now, the guys that made the leap to Raw and SmackDown from NXT that didn't really click, move him back. Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode. Roberts. Roode. Well, what are you talking about? He's uh, He's got a rocket attached to his back now, him and, That's right. him and Ziggler. What I didn't get, why don't, why don't Ziggler and Roode just join the OC? Why aren't we getting that NWO type stuff where it's like they yeah. offer the two sweet, they're like, you win, right? Let's make it a bigger stable. I, I'm down yeah. for that. Yeah, that would, that would be, uh, they seem like they kind of already are, right? And that gives them both a reason to be together other than just, hey, we're a tag team now. Put the Let's revival in there, too. Let's get Ministry of Darkness levels, just like how many people are involved in this thing? <laughs> so they, when, when does it become the corporate ministry, right? Whenever the New Day joins up, is that, That's right. they turn on everybody, Kofi Kingston included. Who will ever forget Midian standing next to Shane McMahon in a cabal of corporate... <laughs> Lost it was me, Austin. It was me all along. Satanism. Jesus. Um, so uh, there you go. That's the draft. Um, get ready for that. Uh, the Observer reporting that Paul Heyman uh, wants to give Cedric Alexander a slow push to the top of, top of the ladder. Of course, we've seen him lose twice now to AJ, but he's getting more in the mix. Showing a little bit of fire here. Apparently, Heyman has uh, slow pushes to the top rung planned for a few different Raw superstars. So Cedric getting this rub, rub here. Uh, you know, it looks like um, uh, uh, Bobby Roode. We were just talking, making jokes about Robert Roode, but you know, he's he's back in a regular uh, program now. He's got a, he's got a title on him right now. Another one of the guys we've heard Heyman is trying to push to that top level there. Uh, Baron Corbin, he's getting a fresh coat of paint here as the king. So uh, I do see it. I see the revitalization here right now going on with Paul Heyman and, and the Raw brand for a couple of these stars. 
He understands what it takes to build a star from ground up, which is what makes Paul Heyman such a great creative mind for the business. And I like this slow approach. Too many times WWE has misfired by trying to get somebody over by giving them a gimmick. I think of Adam Rose, right? Or by putting them into a spot they weren't quite ready for. Um, You can go back a couple of years ago to somebody like Vladimir Kozlov, right? And so that slow push over the years, give them a mid-card title, then get them up there. That's what makes somebody a long-lasting star if they have everything else. So I, I dig this. Yeah, Paul Heyman, great eye for talent, knows how to get people over. Over on SmackDown, uh, Eric, uh, we'd like you to build to a Roman-Daniel Bryan feud. All right, <laughs> how about this? How about I reform the Bludgeon Brothers and we pair Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan as a tag team to battle them? Have any of y'all have any of y'all seen Aces and Eights? A little ditty I did down in Florida. <laughs> a little ditty, a little little song and dance I did down there. This is my son Garrett. He's he, he's part of the Bludgeon Brothers now. Okay. Anyway, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, at Wrestle Votes, reporting Michael Cole to call SmackDown each week with Corey Graves. No idea if there's going to add a third person to that booth. Well, uh, Corey Graves and Michael Cole. I I, I, I as long as it's just a two person booth. Cole Graves, wonderful. I'm fine with it. Vic, uh, Vic Joseph, Renee Young, awesome. Let's go that route. You know, I'm I'm fine with it. Two person teams. I'm, I'm all about it. Do you think Renee is going to make the cut here on the announce team if we do two uh, two man boots? Uh, you know, that's the thing here. That brings us to the the FS1 stuff. So also from Wrestle Votes, FS1 show, this new show they're going to be doing. That's going to start in October. It's going to be live from LA every Tuesday night. It's going to be hosted by Renee and maybe Booker T. As of late, Booker T has made these appearances on WWE TV and kickoff panels. Um, but PW Insider disputing that a little bit, saying the plan is for WWE's weekly studio show on FS1 to be hosted by Renee, and she's going to lead a panel that discusses various <laughs> issues. Maybe Ka- Kathy Kelly, she could work on the FS1 show. She'd be splitting her time between NXT and the FS1 show. Uh, but WWE and Fox have had a number of WWE personalities and Hall of Famers working in California in recent weeks, auditioning for the show. This seems like they're going to put a lot of focus on it, Renee Young is the host of this show. I like her in that role. In a studio space, she's always done really well. And if that means that we don't see her on commentary for Raw SmackDown, I, she would be missed. But she will do well there. And I, again, just would like to see two-person teams on Raw and SmackDown. I'm all about it. All about it. Yeah, if, if she doesn't make the cut, she was doing a great job, you know, the last few weeks on, on Raw and, and everything. So I like her. But if she doesn't make the cut, I don't think it's the end of the world if they give her something meaningful to do. And I, I love all this studio stuff they're talking about doing. It makes WWE feel like a big deal. And she is the person that should be doing that. Agreed. Uh, the Usos. What's going on with the Usos? The Observer reporting the Usos are set to return to WWE action soon. Uh, they've been out of action since around uh, July 25th when uh, Jimmy uh, was arrested for DUI. Uh, the Usos were pulled from SummerSlam weekend. I think that's how I say they around there because I think they actually like wrestled once or twice, like immediately after that on TV, and then were uh, not involved with SummerSlam weekend at all, allegedly because Jimmy couldn't even get into Canada to compete due to the DUI. And ever since then, we've just we they've ghosted. The the Usos have been gone. Well, sounds like they could be coming back here, according to the Observer. Currently a Raw team, but they could be part of this draft here. They could be sent off to SmackDown. I don't know what – I hope Jimmy is doing well by himself here. I, I hate these stories uh, about the continued repeat offenses here. But uh, if the, these guys have had time to, to get their acts together, clear their minds, get back to action here, I'm all about it. The Uso is a very talented tag team. Yeah, and you maybe come back and you drop the Uso penitentiary gimmick and you could yes. pair them up with somebody. You know, we, we didn't talk about this during Raw, but I love the Agents of Pain segment. Um, I just want to call that out for being something that was totally different and a different presentation for you a mean team. Authors of Pain. 
Authors. I mean, Authors of Pain, sorry, yes. Uh, for the Authors of Pain segment, right? The AOP segment, I, I thought they did a, a great job with that segment, and they put themselves over in a big way. They gave a reason why they've not been on TV. You know, we're better than everybody else. So maybe you you have the Usos, a classic tag team, pop back up kind of in a good guy role, and they get squashed by the Authors of Pain. That, mm, eh, I, like the, with that. I like the AOP stuff a lot. I, I thought it was really cool. I liked them. Uh, what were they, what, what language were they speaking? Or what are they? I, yeah. I did not know. It did not sound like... Um, Let's do a little Google search in here. That did not sound like Spanish. Yeah. Um, no, it was not Spanish. I want to say, I think they're uh, Eastern European or something like that. I yeah. Um, Canadian. So maybe it's some version of Canadian because he is, uh, Sonny is from, or Occam. Dutch. Maybe it was Dutch. Dutch. Okay. Because Razor is a Dutch professional wrestler, so great. There you go. Well, either way, I like them speaking in their native tongue. It adds a little. It's it, it's different, and they definitely look like big scary men. So I'm with you. Yep. Uh, Tamina Snuka returned to the ring at, at Saturday's WWE live event in Macon, Georgia. She lost to Natalia in a singles match. Uh, Tamina, who remains a member of the Raw roster, has been out of action since suffering a concussion at a WWE live event in July. Happy to see Tamina back. Um, she'll probably be the muscle for a woman very shortly on the roster. Mm. That's what she does, right? Is it? I I don't know, but that's what she does, right? She's always like menacingly standing behind people. So it is true. She she could all she has a lot to offer. I wouldn't mind seeing her get a nice little push on her end though. Yeah, I don't know. To me, I mean, again, she's good muscle, but she's never really grabbed me. It have to be something that that happens here to to get me on the hook. Um, Planeta Wrestling reporting WWE has been talking to CMLL about buying access to their video library to add it to the WWE Network. What do you think about that? I think it's just another way for them to add more stuff to the library. You know, everybody's buying rights to TV shows left and right. Why shouldn't wrestling organizations be doing the exact same thing? Although I do think, I don't know what the value add there is to the uh, general WWE fan they're trying to reach because anybody who'd be interested in this, I think, would already probably be a WWE Network subscriber because they're that into wrestling. Yeah, I don't know. Unless you're trying to work, unless you're trying to, you know, get more subscribers in Mexico, right? Offer more well, lucha true. talent, you know, so more lucha content. You know, I, I, I get it, you know, just different strategy. So, uh, well, that's true. And they have been trying to branch out with NXT more in other countries. And no, yeah, I think you're onto something. That's true. Maybe, maybe we're looking at an NXT Mexico. I, I wonder where the next, because we got NXT UK. I wonder where the next NXT is, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. uh, squared circle sirens reporting that WWE NXT has signed Australian indie wrestler, Indy Hartwell, and she will be head, and she will head to the Performance Center next month. Uh, she debuted in 2016. She's 22 years old. She rose to the top of the Australian indie scene, and she's held multiple titles. I really don't know much about her, but there you go. The the latest hiring there, Indy Indy Hartwell. You familiar? Not familiar. She definitely. I looked her up for this. She she has the look of a of a talented professional. So, um, you know, I like it when they get them young and they can maybe kind of build her up and give her a bright future in NXT and and maybe the main roster. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, PWInsider.com reporting that Ric Flair and his daughter Charlotte are being advertised for a Q&A with Cricket Wireless, a WWE sponsor, prior to SmackDown Live this week in Atlanta, Georgia. The Q&A uh, will be streamed live on Cricket's Facebook page and uh, other media platforms uh, today around noon Eastern. So it just happened. It happened an hour ago. Uh, Flair is advertised for that two, uh, for this Tuesday SmackDown taping. This comes after the decision to trademark the man. He's uh, been talking to TMZ Sports about that. So just nice to know that even though there does seem to be some uh, uh, bad, I don't want to say bad blood, but there's definitely something going on here with Ric Flair and WWE uh, regarding, you know, trademarks and lawyers, uh, but they are uh, still working together. So good. 
Hand what if instead of suing you, or suing us, we just pay you some money? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm a woo. I'm amenable to that. Woo. So, update on Ric Flair. Uh, director James Gunn took to Twitter on Friday. He announced John Cena for the next Suicide Squad movie, along with more than 20 other actors, including Idris Elba, Michael Rooker, Jai Courtney, Margot Robbie. Uh, Cena is expected to play DC Comics character Peacemaker. But that has not been confirmed. I have no idea who this is, but I do know this is a big deal for John Cena. Another big movie for him. Yeah, and this was going to have a lot of eyes on it just because, I mean, Bumblebee was great. If you've not seen it, I highly encourage I hate all the other Transformers movies. That one was great. John Cena was fantastic in it. He's been flexing his comedic muscles. This is a really smart next step for him because he is now going to be surrounded by a ton of high-level actors. Um, I just can't. This cast is incredible, and I think John Cena, he might not have a huge role, right? I don't think any of these guys, if you know much about Suicide Squad, and not the first movie, but the actual comic book series, none of these guys are probably long for this world, but I love the idea of John Cena mixing it up with them, and, and I'm excited now about this movie, and believe it or not. Well, another pro wrestler who has worked with James Gunn, uh, Batista, got called out by Killer Cross after uh, his Killer Cross uh, made Nick Gage submit at Bloodsport 2, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 2. Cross took the microphone. He called out Batista. Two things here. First of all, good. Go big, go home. Great call. Get Batista in the mix there. Two, um, if you know anything about GCW, Nick Gage is their champion right now, and that dude is tough as nails. Uh, says a lot that uh, Nick Gage was willing to take a submission loss here to Killer Cross. Uh, just of note. So, there you go. Killer Cross, he's got the, he's got the rocket ship on him right now. Ooh, go big, go home. Call out Batista. I would love to mm -hmm. see Batista Killer Cross inside a Bloodsport ring, especially knowing mm -hmm. Batista's MMA background and training and everything like that. Uh, Taz uh, has teased a return to commentary on Twitter. He writes, I actually miss it doing commentary in general very much. By the way, there are uh, there are all other places to apply that craft besides WWE. There are other places, I believe. As far as commentary, truth be told, over the past several months, I have had healthy, in-depth conversations with a few pro wrestling companies just not the right fit for me and my goals with those individual organizations at the moment. So Taz floating it out there. Return to commentary. I would love to see Taz uh, in a commentary role. Yeah, I always feel like he was really good. Later days in Impact, he kind of got paired up with some some areas that I don't think showed his strength. But Taz was the guy, especially when the first brand extension happened back in the early 2000s. He really helped carry SmackDown. Him and Michael Cole were great together. So, yeah, I'd love to see him back in the mix. He'd bring a lot to Impact right now. I feel like he'd be yes. great at Impact at the moment. Him and Josh Matthews would work well together, and with their big move to Access TV and the momentum they have right now to put a voice and a face like Taz behind the table, I think it would be a smart move for them. You know, so uh, AEW has filed to trademark a, uh, All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. They filed that on September 12th for various uses uh, in pro wrestling to merchandise, uh, that looks to be the name of their TV show, which has been long rumored, Dynamite on TNA, TNT, <laughs> TNA. On TNA. <laughs> Dynamite. On Dynamite, Nitro, Explosions. Mm -hmm. TNT. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, and lastly here, the last news item. Uh, we are going to hear this big cast interview again that Raj did last Thursday, two days before what we are about to describe happened here. So let's talk about it. PW Insider reporting there was an incident with big cast at WrestlePro over the weekend. Now, back in July, Joey Janela, Enzo, they had an altercation at a Blink-182 concert. <laughs> That's where we're going to start. Cass apparently had issues with that, and at the WrestlePro show on Friday night, did something about it. Cass threatened Janela backstage, possibly got into a physical confrontation, although the latter was not 100% confirmed. The two were in the same locker room the night before. No issue. 
Multiple people attempted to defuse the situation, but apparently later on, Cass insinuated that he was going to beat people up after thinking someone stole his sweater. Buck, mm. Buck was reportedly put in the middle. Pat Buck, the promoter for WrestlePro. He was reportedly also new WWE full-time producer, Pat Buck. Pat Buck was reportedly put in the middle of this. This was his farewell night to WrestlePro. So he was going full-time with WWE. He was put in the middle of this uh, part of the night. Uh, he got spit on. He was backed into a wall by Cass. He ended up punching Cass, knocking him to the ground in a single blow. Pat Buck, very large, strong man. I don't doubt that. Uh, due to the event going on, Plenty of police were nearby with the police station right next to the venue. Cass was taken out of the building. Police reportedly searched his car. At that time, Cass began yelling things that caused concern enough to get an ambulance to transport him to the hospital. Janela tweeted the following. I'm not going to elaborate at all on this whole deal because uh, besides that, it was probably the most bizarre situation I've ever seen, let alone been a part of in a wrestling locker room in 15 years. Everything was cordial and friendly on Friday, and I hope that dude gets back on the right track. Cass has gone on for his part to post a lengthy message on Instagram apologizing, citing his personal issues. He teased that he may not return as a public figure, but if he does, he'd like to do it uh, in the most positive way possible. Uh, this was, uh, you know, there was a little momentum here for Cass. He's been doing a good job of telling his story. You know, uh, in the interview, you're about to hear him do that he did with Raj. It's already on the site. He talks about how he was willing to start separating from Enzo. He was going to try to do his own thing. And then here we are. Uh, I would I, I hate to say I'm not surprised, but these guys have been out of control for a while now. It, it does sound like Cass is dealing with some other issues as well. But uh, uh, a shame. A guy with that size, and that look, it is a shame that he can't, you know, get it together. I just feel like I'm at a loss of words here. Actually, I was thinking about it last night, um, having heard the story over the weekend pop out. Watching Carmella, right? Carmella was the third person here back when they were down in NXT. And, you know, it kind of seemed like we we all thought Enzo and Big Cash could be a big deal. They were so over back then. And Carmella felt like the one that, well, maybe she doesn't make the jump or, you know, who knows what's going to happen with her. And Carmella's been great. Carmella's on TV every week, right? She's featured uh, very heavily alongside our truth in the 24-7 segment. She's a former women's champion. And yet these two have just uh, both fallen so far off the rails. I think about Enzo. It makes a lot of sense, right? Enzo has the personality. He was always the mouthpiece. And when you bring that persona week in, week out, especially to TV, and it's a part of you, you can tend to amplify that when the cameras aren't on and when the spotlight's not on you. So Enzo, not entirely surprising as everything's kind of come out about him. But Big Cass seemed like the guy that, you know, especially once Enzo was gone and Big Cass had kind of got a moment to be himself, be his own man. You're like, maybe maybe he could do it, right? To your point, Nick, he's got the look. He's got the – I think he can go in the ring. He's not the greatest, right? But he can – he's still learning a lot of that. And, yeah, and then he just keeps getting wrapped up in this again and again. He was getting that momentum, you said, right? And then all of a sudden over the weekend, he lets Enzo influence him again to make some negative decisions. And all I can – I don't want to say I hope this, right? But all I can maybe assume is there's a little bit more going on there personally, emotionally, that we're not always privy to, right? Maybe that's where, you know, Joey Janela's tweet here. Um, he said everything was friendly on Friday night or uh, on friendly on Friday night, um, but it was bizarre on Saturday night and the aggression and everything like that. This just maybe his headspace is not right for whatever reason. Cass says maybe he's going to take a break and maybe not come back as a public figure. I definitely say taking a break is right. Um, you need that. You need the time to heal, and you need the time to let other people heal. I'm not saying it should be forever, right? But I hope that he gets the help he needs and he finds a way to rebound from this stronger and better than ever. 
My guest at this time is a former WWE superstar as well as one half of the NXT Tag Team ta Tag Team of the Year in 2015. Kaz, Kaz, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, so much to talk about. Uh, first off, uh, how are you doing physically? You have uh, just been looking in tremendous shape lately. Yeah, physically, I'm in the best shape of my life. Like, uh, it, it was like a few months ago where I was like, you need to turn your life around. So I like was like, I need to get 300 pounds. I was like so adamant about getting the 300 pounds. Like, it was a lifetime goal. So I got the 300 pounds, and then I did a show, and I looked at my abs. I was like, oh, my God, you look so fat. So um, I started trimming down. So right now I'm like 288 and uh, looking slim and, and lean and mean. Yeah, and uh, you had posted some videos with Diamond Dallas Page, who's a great friend of our show on the site. Uh, how has that experience been working with DDP? It's been amazing, man. Like, he uh, – like – as much as the physical side, uh, the physical side of things um, is very important. Um, I think like the mental side of things is way more important. So when I hang out with him, it's, it's you know I get a good workout in and and we bond through that. But I think mentally, he just gets me going to a different place where I'm very happy, I'm very motivated, and like nothing's going to stop me. So when I leave his place every time, it's just like. Nothing can stop me. That's the attitude I have. Yeah. And last year you had suffered that, that it's, it appeared to be a seizure. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. And then you return to the ring after that. Um, and then just every time you're just looking better and better. Um, what has it been like wrestling again since that? It, has it been, I don't know, scary at all uh, after that happened or, or reinvigorating? Uh, what's that experience been like? Well, uh, I'll tell you this. Um, not many people know this. I've said it on record one time. The, uh, the reason for the seizure was alcohol withdrawal. So that means that at that point in time, I was drinking so much that nine hours away from alcohol caused me, you know, to have a seizure. So to stay away from that, I'm not epileptic. I have no health problems like that. It was clearly alcohol. So, um, all I need to do to stay away from that type of shit is just stop drinking alcohol. So that's been, you know, my main goal going forward. And how did that happen? I mean, did you have to, I mean, what was that process like? I know a lot of people have a hard time with that. Um, I think, I, I don't think it gets as low as the seizure. So once that happened, it was kind of a wake up call. It wasn't like, you know, going through withdrawals or anything, you know, that bad. Once that happened, I said, dude, you need to stop drinking. That's it. Like, not during the week, not on weekends, not with friends, not a beer at the Knicks game, not a beer at the Yankees game. You cannot fucking drink. And once I had that realization, uh, you know, come to me, then it, it kind of made things a little bit easier, actually. Yeah. And you 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 mentioned in the past that uh, – your, your problems with alcohol might have caused some issues while you were in WWE. Um, right. Have you uh, been in contact with them uh, ever since you left? Yeah. And been in contact, talked to them. Who knows what will happen? I can get a call tomorrow. So uh, I, I've been in contact with them, and uh, we chat on a regular basis. 
but uh, nothing concrete yet. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, you had also reunited with Enzo Amore uh, earlier this year. Uh, how did that come about and who, who kind of initiated that? So what happened was about a week before, almost a week before my seizure, I, uh, I'll tell you this, I was in a bad place. I didn't know what was going to happen to me physically. Like I wasn't going to do anything stupid, but I just knew that my, my brain and my body couldn't take it anymore. So I called people, you know, uh, Enzo was one of them, you know, ex-girlfriends, another, just to tie up loose ends, uh, just in case something happened to me where they'd be like, all right, at least we fucking settled that. And um, because I really had a feeling something bad was going to happen to me. I was just living so unhealthy, you know, drinking, eating shit, like putting nothing but garbage in my body. So I was like, all right, something bad is going to happen. So I called Enzo and uh, I called him about four times and he didn't answer. And then his mom must have told him, hey, call him back. Something's wrong. So uh, he called me back and we talked for a really long time and we patched everything up and I just let him know, hey, man, anything happens to me, I love you, and I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, something almost happened to me, but, it, it, you know, I ended up averting it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's great to hear. You guys caused uh, a great deal of buzz earlier this year when uh, you showed up at the ROH event in Madison Square Garden. Um, yeah. There was some pushback from fans, uh, even though – Really, that was the most talked about thing on the show, and really probably the most talked about thing uh, with ROH in a while. Um, was was the fan reaction kind of why we haven't seen you guys back there? Well, I'll tell you this: um, when you invade ROH, uh, the angle that happened wasn't even on television, wasn't even on TV. By the way, they they shot it so it wasn't on TV. We trended number one worldwide over ROH, Supercard, New Japan, Hall of Fame, and the NCAA Final Four. Enzo and Cash trended number one worldwide over all those things. And they thought, huh, let's not bring them back. And then they go back to Chicago about a month later, and the attendance is down, what, 60% from the last time they were there? Yeah. Um, I just think it was a mistake on their part. Yeah, it seemed like uh, it seemed like they could have done something there. Um, we've got AEW about to debut here on TNT coming up. Uh, what have you been watching much of that? And what are your thoughts on AEW? Yeah, I've been watching everything they got. Um, my thoughts are I'm just really excited for October second. Uh, you know, just just waiting to see what they have. And I've watched all their pay-per-views and semi-pay-per-views and all that stuff. And I think that they're putting out a fucking amazing product. So I just can't wait to see how WWE responds. I mean, I know they have NXT on Wednesday nights, but it's an hour. We'll see what happens there. Yeah. And NXT will be moving to two hours on USA Network here in a couple weeks. Coincidentally, the, the same night that AEW debuts on TNT. Uh, there were some reports uh, a couple of weeks ago that you and Enzo would be returning to WWE. <laughs> you kind of had a a great response on Twitter. Uh, you tweeted, dumbasses. <laughs> uh, idiots. I, oh, idiots. Idiots, my bad. Um, what, what do you think led to those reports? I have no idea. Like... Enzo texted me earlier that day. He said, yo, uh, and he sent me some screenshots. And I was like, 
how, why this, it doesn't, it didn't make any sense. Like we hadn't talked to them. We hadn't uh, even opened dialogue with them. And then those reports came out and me and him were both like shocked. Like it, it, it didn't make any sense at that point in time. Like, I don't know who put it out there, but if Meltzer reported it, then someone important must have told Meltzer, but I don't know who, like it, it was just weird. And it's kind of another case where you talked about how you're trending after ROH. That story just got tons of buzz. That was just everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who put it out there. I don't know what reason they put it out there for. Maybe the gauge things, but I can guarantee you this. Uh, despite what Triple H said, uh, Enzo didn't put it out there. I didn't put it out there. We had no idea where it came from. So, um Honestly, like we have no idea where or why that came came about. Yeah, yeah, that's that's wild. Um, now you've been uh, you've been gaining a lot of traction as a singles competitor the last few years. Uh, you were in that uh, fatal four way elimination match for the WWE Universal Championship on Raw. Uh, you were in that feud with Daniel Bryan last year, and Daniel Bryan uh, has been very complimentary uh, and, and and very you know. Uh, really admired working with you. Uh, Did how, he? I didn't, I, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's done some interviews where he talked about how he enjoyed working with you and, and, uh, and yeah, uh, he was, uh, very complimentary. How, how was it working with Brian and how was it moving from a tag team to a singles? Well, in terms from tag team to a singles, I think that me and Enzo both were both stars. So, when you put two stars together, each one of them wants to grow on their own. So we were both like itching to, to be apart from each other because he can do what he does. And I do what I do like without each other. Um, so when that happened, I think like we might've played, you know, upset on television, but me and him were both very, very happy about that. I know he was, cause it was just a chance for him to show what he could do by himself and he was proud of me because I could show what I could do by myself. Um, but uh, what was the second part of that question? I'm sorry. Uh, how was it? Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm forgetting what the second part of that question. Oh, uh, how was it working with Daniel Bryan? <laughs> All right. Um, well, working with him was absolutely amazing. Like, um, we would you know, call barely anything in the back. And uh, we'd go out for house shows on the main event. And, uh, you know, I was, like, really nervous. And he was, like, really calm. And he was like, no, we're going to call it out there. And we would go, like, <laughs> 25, 30 minutes of nothing called except for, like, the finishing sequence. And he would just walk me through and guide me through the entire match. And I was like, while that was happening, I was like, this guy's the best in the world. No one can touch him. Like, he made me comfortable out there to the point where I could walk through a match with him 20 minutes without anything called and just be confident in what I was doing. Like he, he is the man. Now, no I, offense, no, no offense to Becky. Sorry. <laughs> right. um, now you've mostly been working uh, singles matches uh, over the past year. Most of your matches have been singles. Uh, Enzo, I think he's wrestled. He wrestled Brian Pillman. I don't know if he's wrestled any any other matches other than that. Um, given that you've mostly been working singles matches and Enzo hasn't been wrestling as much, if an AEW, ROH, WWE contacted you about coming back as a singles, is that something you would you would consider? 
it's definitely something I consider. Like anything me and Enzo do together is just uh, a privilege for both of us. But I know if he got a call from somebody and they said, we just want you, I'd give him my blessing. And I know if I got my call from somewhere, he would just say, I'm going to give you my blessing. Like um, when we get to work together on the Indies, whether it's a signing or, or a match, like we're really pumped about that. Cause like me and him are, like best friends in real life. So we get to enjoy each other's company throughout that. But I think when it comes down to business, like if he goes somewhere good for him, if he, if he gets, you know, a, a, a music deal or, or something like that, good for him. Like I'm right in his corner. And I think if I get, you know, a deal with any wrestling company or entertainment or anything like that, he'd be right in my corner. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And, and, and with WWE, I, I did want to ask you, uh, when, when, your, when your time was there and you did start to move to a singles, um, was that, how was that? Because you and Enzo had been teaming for so long. Was that, uh, was that strange at all to initially move? I mean, not really, because I could see it coming for a long time. I've been told by a lot of people backstage that uh, I was going to be moving to singles, but... Um, I mean, I guess it was weird, but right off the bat, I entered my ACL, and then I came back, and uh, there's no Enzo. So even if I wanted to go consult with somebody to be like, hey, this is what they had me doing tonight, like, without, like, I had no one to talk to. So I was kind of on my own, like, right from the get-go when I came back from that injury. Yeah. And you had mentioned uh, in interviews in the past during your time with WWE that your goal for WrestleMania uh, would be to work with Roman Reigns. Um, yeah. Would that would you still consider that to be your dream match, or, or has that changed? No, it's definitely a dream match. I just I don't know if it's feasible, depending on where I go or what he does. I don't know what his situation is, but um, I don't know if it's feasible, but we shall see. Yeah. And how how was it working with Roman while you were there? Um, you know, he, he's been through a lot, obviously, during the past year. But uh, just in general, as a rock, locker room leader and, and uh, as a, uh, you know, a co-worker. He's the best, man. Like, um, he owns that locker room. He polices the locker room to the point where, you know, no one steps out of line with him. And then uh, I only got to work with him a few times. I think uh, tribute to the troops and then that fatal four way on raw. But every time I work with him, he is just, he knows even, even if he's not involved in the spot, he knows what everybody's doing. So I was like, Holy shit, this guy's really fucking good. Like <laughs> he, he knows what I'm doing with Seth, even though he's just buried on the floor doing nothing. Like he, uh, Every time I work with him, it was a pleasure, man. He He's really, really fucking good. And I think people maybe underrate him. I think he could be, you know, maybe besides Brian or, or AJ, even with them, uh, the best in-ring performer in the in the company. Yeah. It definitely seems like fans don't uh, – a lot of fans don't realize it until later. But uh... – yeah, he, he he's and he's looked fantastic since coming back from leukemia. I mean, his matches have been uh, off the hook. Um, now I wanted to ask you too. Uh, uh, now you're back in the ring. Uh, you're also going to be appearing at Northeast Wrestling uh, this Friday, correct? Correct. September thirteenth, Waterbury, Connecticut. Um, 
I don't know who I'm facing yet, but, you know, I go to Northeast Wrestling. Whoever they put in front of me is going to get destroyed, and I'm going to be with Enzo, so it's going to make it even easier. So um, I'm not sure who I'm facing yet this Friday, but uh, I'm sure it'll be easy work for, for uh, Kaz Excel. Yeah, and Pentagon Jr. will also be on the card. Phoenix, Darby Allen, uh, Matt Taven. So a star-studded card, Joey Janela. Uh, so you can get more information about that at northeastwrestling.com. And, uh, and Cass, what can fans look forward from you? From, from I mean, this year is kind of rapidly coming to a close, but there is a ton going on in the wrestling business. Uh, and what can fans expect from you? Right. All they can expect is this. A year from now, listen back to this interview, and I'm about to say this. I'm going to be the biggest star in professional wrestling. And everybody now can laugh and, and point fingers and say, ha ha, he's an idiot. But 12 months from now, listen back to this interview and say, wow, he fucking knew it. So that's all I'm saying. I'm going to be the biggest star in this industry and it's going to happen within the next year. So uh, everybody brace yourselves. Well, I'm not, I'm not betting against it. You've been le- looking fantastic and, and, and you know, uh, best of luck to you uh, and you know, keep up the, keep up the good work. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Hey everybody. Thank you um, for joining today. Again, as always, I appreciate the support for, for everything that we're doing with NXT. Um, as Mark said, very exciting time for the brand uh, taking its first step onto USA Network on a weekly basis starting this Wednesday. Um, you know, I just want to make sure that everybody is aware this Wednesday and the following Wednesday on the 25th, we will be one hour on the USA Network live and then go directly to one hour on the WWE Network live. So the show will still be two hours, one hour of live content on USA, one hour of live content on the network. Um, and then starting on October 2, we will be on the USA Network every week live for two hours, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Um, so obviously, as you can see, exciting time for us in the shift. Um, talent are geared up. I think if you are paying attention on social, which I know all of you are, uh, their excitement comes through. Um, and it should be a, uh, a really strong uh, starting episode of NXT. Um, if you remember, we have a, um, a fatal four-way match for the NXT Women's uh, Championship number one contenders with Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae, Mia Yim, and Io 